Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Real World Productivity Podcast. I'm Adam Moody, and today I'm talking with David Salib, who's a full-time associate product manager at Lyft and a man with many cool side projects, which we are definitely going to dig into. So I want to find out about his background, what he's doing, so we can get uh, what I think is going to be a unique look to his solution to problems and productivity. So welcome, David. Hey, it's great to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's just dive right in. And, uh, you know, could you tell everyone a little bit about yourself or as much as you want to? Yeah, I'd love to. Um, So I've been to computers my whole life. Uh, I was a little nerd when I was a kid. I was actually looking back on my old, you know, kindergarten assignments where it says, what'd you like to do? And what's your favorite thing? I just kept writing the word computers over and over again. So uh, I've been to tech my whole life. Uh, I studied computer science. And uh, while studying computer science, I also studied uh, psychology and business. I love coding. I love building things. Just that process of building something and having people delighted by the end product. That's just super exciting for me. And that's ultimately how I ended up, uh, you know, pursuing product management as a career. And in in, in a big sense, uh, product management is, you know, a simulation of being an entrepreneur at a, maybe just a smaller or larger scale, depending how you look at it. So building products and delivering them to people and delighting users is what I love to do as an engineer, but also as a product manager. So that's kind of how everything's been falling into place for me. Uh, I worked at a few companies as a software engineer for a while, now it's a place as a product manager. And now on the side, I'm building Memento, uh, the podcast app that you found. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's been a super great experience, just seeing how people have connected with it and how it solves the problem for people. And just regardless of what I'm working on, I just love to find uh, problems that people need solved and uh, finding really great ways to solve it, just super exciting. Gotcha. And this is going to be, uh, I'm going to ask you for a straightforward pitch, but just so people can get on the same page. Um, I've talked about uh, Memento quite a bit, but can you tell people about that just so in case they haven't come across it yet, they know what we're talking about? Absolutely. Uh, Memento is a podcast app that solves the problem of if you are listening to something and you think it's something you want to remember or save for later, just by tapping the app or clicking your headphones, you can save that into text. Uh, We don't use transcripts. We actually generate all the transcriptions live. They're able to do this for any podcast, and it really just solves the note-taking problem for podcasts, which podcasts are a form that have a form of media that has a lot of great content. And I think being able to do that is a problem a lot of people face. Definitely. Yeah, for anyone listening, uh, go to YouTube and uh, check out my videos on Memento, because I've definitely got some notes there about that and integration with some other tools and 100% agree with David about, you know, it, it's been a pain point for people, you know, there's all these apps for taking notes, for moving text around, but audio, especially where we're generally, maybe we're walking or in a car, it's been really hard. And I, I find myself listening to podcasts all the time. And then, you know, like, oh yeah, there's these three great nuggets and then out of my brain, cause I'm doing something else. So great product, really like it. So uh, you talked a bit about your education here and, you know, I think that this is a super interesting. Did I hear you correctly that you said you, you while your you know focus is computer science, that there's also some psychology in there? Yes, that is amazing. What what exactly uh, was that? A minor, major? What did you what did you do there? That was a minor. Okay, cool. That is fascinating. If I think I if I could go back in time, I would probably do the uh, exact same thing. Looking back, are you pretty happy that you did that? I love it. Uh, I, I studied it purely out of interest. I remember looking at the courses available and I just loved so many of the, just the course titles, the descriptions, and every psychology course I took was just so much fun. Uh, I don't even think I remember studying for any of them. I just remember reading the textbook and, and loving it. And, you know, thinking about why we do the things we do, I think is the most interesting thing. And psychology is really great at digging into that. 
So would you say that before uh, you went into those courses that you were interested in kind of understanding yourself or was this kind of a change point where you did this and, and that got you more into it or a little bit of both maybe? Yeah, I think curiosity has always been a trait that, uh, that describes a lot of the reasons I do things. And I think the questions psychology answers are things I've thought about a bunch. And then psychology really just operationalizes it and formalizes the way we look at these things. No, that's great. And I think that uh, anyone who's doing anything, like you said, kind of, uh, you know, being a product manager and being able to be entrepreneur-ish before even getting to that and then doing some entrepreneurship, understanding yourself and understanding how people work uh, uh, mentally can be hugely valuable. So I think that's great for you and also anyone else. And I mean, it's not like you have to go to college for that, but that's one way to approach that. Anyone can pick up some books, though, and learn some basics that I think would help them. So, man, that's great. Uh, well, let's talk about uh, some some more concrete stuff. What, what's your normal routine like, right? We hear a lot about routines, the importance of them. Like, what do you specifically do? Maybe let's start with like your daily routine. Do you have one? Yeah, for sure. Um, first thing I've been, I've been doing this for about a year, I'm going to the gym in the morning. That's been uh, very, very useful to getting up early and getting something done. So I'll get to gym nice and early, uh, get a quick workout in me for about an hour. And then I usually find out about an hour or two before I have to start work. So um, in that time, I try to read. Uh, I think, you know, reading is like a super, super power. So I'll try to read. I got a Kindle also about a year ago. I love my Kindle. Oh, yeah. uh, also, part of, love, love taking notes, highlighting on the Kindle. It's super useful. So uh, trying to read every day, you know, get some knowledge there. Work for, you know, seven, eight hours, depending on the day. And then after work, it's a, it's a mix of different things. I think my routine's changed based on the season. Mm-hmm. And a lot of my time goes towards the, my side projects. So mental takes a lot of time. I also work on a Bible app for the past five years. Mm-hmm. And because uh, of academic commentary and we have a pretty large user base around the world right now. So usually I'll have to spend around, let's say 15 to 20 hours of my free time working on both Momento and the Bible app. I, uh, I found a different... Sorry. For a week, yeah. Okay. Yeah, for a week. Yeah, I spend a fair amount of time, uh, my free time working uh, on my side projects. And I just find that it's kind of like a trade-off. Uh, I've had certain weeks and certain seasons of life where I'll dedicate more time to social life or just relaxing or something different. Uh, sometimes I'll invest more in a hobby. Maybe during the winter months, I'll be snowboarding more. Uh, maybe some months, I'll be playing music more. Uh, but then a good amount of time goes to side projects, which is a trade-off of free time. You know, Where do I spend my time kind of determines what kind of outcomes I get. Definitely. Okay, so then let's talk about that a little bit more. I wanted to talk to you about how you keep the full-time balance um, with the side projects, but it sounds like you've been doing this for years. So one avenue, if you hadn't mentioned that would be to ask, you know, kind of how long you've been doing this and is this sustainable, but it sounds like it is for you. And potentially this is just something that you really enjoy doing. So it's a hobby and potentially a product that you can market. So, um, is that kind of a correct summation of all of that? Yeah. Um, since 2015 is when I've you know, had the Katina's the Bible app. So I've been doing that since 2015. And I was juggling that with school until I started full-time. Now I'm uh, juggling work and then uh, Katina and Memento. So I definitely love, so as I mentioned earlier, I love computers. I love coding. So working on Katina and Memento is something that's just super fun. It is very much like a hobby for me. Um, so that definitely helps make it, that helps with the, um, the dedication or I guess just the, the energy to do it. Loving it yeah. makes a big difference. Because this is uh, but, long-term, right? So it's not like just a burst of like, hey, I made an app and there it is. It's like, this is long-term, so. Exactly, yeah. I mean, for me, 
building something for a week or for a month is fun, but I really care about scaling something and making an impact. So that's fun. And that makes it a hobby, which gives me kind of the energy to do it. But at the same time, it is easy to burn out, uh, you know, having to think about how to build a product at work and how to think about after work. It's not, um, it's definitely just not a walk in the park. Yeah. So I've found that over time I've had to adapt, uh, find different ways to break up my day. Um, going for walks I find is great. You know, having at least one or two days of the week where I don't do work after work and not worrying about that. I think there's a time in my life where not doing work on my time projects felt like I wasn't like lifting my responsibilities. Yeah. Then realizing that those breaks are super important to uh, actually being able to maintain that kind of routine. So that's kind of been a few of the, the, the challenges over the time. Yeah, that, I think that's really important. You mentioned a few important things I want to point out to people. So like, uh, let's start with what David just mentioned, kind of having those breaks in there. And it's something I uh, took from Sebastian Marshall, um, fire breaks is the, the idea behind that. And just putting in, you know, say, and I don't know if you did this deliberately, I do, where I'll have an afternoon where I don't have anything planned. And uh, today I had a small one, but I still got out. And right before we were recording this podcast, I went out and got coffee even though it was just an hour just to get myself out and to have that time. And I didn't actually feel that much like doing it. I was like, maybe I'll just stay home, but just saying, nope, like keep it going, get out. You never know. I sat down and did my reading and kind of enjoyed it. And by the end, I was like, Oh, of course I'm happy. I went out and did this. And just having that time set aside too mentally to let you unwind and feel like, Hey, this is okay. I think it's super important because people get in that rut of got to keep going, got to keep going, got to keep going. Um, the other part I wanted to touch on that you mentioned is consistency, a kind of talking around consistency. And I think that that is hugely important. And you've obviously been able to do that because I think with productivity, time management, a lot of people have good intentions. Everyone knows that a daily routine is helpful. Everyone knows what the right thing to do is, but a lot of people have problems sticking to that on a regular basis. So what is it that you feel enables you to be consistent if you're sticking with these apps for years at a time? You know, you've touched on giving yourself time off um, and all these and other ways. Is there anything that you feel also helped you be consistent in your day-to-day life? Yeah, I think two things come to mind. Uh, one, one thing that definitely helps overall is if, if, you, if you love what you're doing and you really get energized by it, it'll be much easier to be consistent. Um, if you don't like something that you're doing and kind of ask yourself why that is the case, I think it's important. Because if, if, there's a, if there's a lack of interest, lack of energy, it's probably a reason for that. So try and ask yourself why that reason is. Is it that the task is challenging? Uh, is it that you don't feel like there's, a, there's, there's fruits for the labor? I think when I ask myself those questions in times where I don't have the energy, I'm able to separate my, my kind of emotions or my, my feelings about getting to work mm-hmm. from the actual, actual problem at hand. So that's definitely very helpful, like really realizing why I want to do something, why I don't want to do something and optimizing based on that. I think another part that helps with kind of the commitment over the long term is there's going to be times where we don't want to do something, but those are the times where we need to push and actually do it because it's not always the case that because we don't feel like doing it, that we don't truly want to do it, or it's always not the case that we'll always want to do what we need to do. So I find that committing to those hard times and just having a, having a determination to say, yeah, I'm going to do this anyways. I'm going to sit down, I'm going to go get a cup of water, just start, start tackling this task. That kind of gets you to jump over maybe the little little gaps on the road. You know, I think like a little Mario game, sometimes you've got to jump over something and, and just keep going. 
Yeah. I think that, that determination in those rough patches, like there's only maybe one way to do it. So like push through it and then it'll get better after. Yeah, I think that's a good one. And, and since we're audio only, this one, I'll have to maybe add a drawing or I think I wrote about this at one point. So I'll include a link, but I know David will understand this. So a sine wave, I always think about like a sine wave with this. And what we want to do is just chop off the bottom part of the sine waves, right? We don't want to drop down really far. We want to avoid those, those troughs of kind of low activity or falling down. And it's not always about just rising higher, just saying, hey, I, you know, everyone has downtime. So I'm not actually saying we'll never have a bad time or we'll never fall down, but we want to avoid that as much as possible. So we spend most of our time kind of, I think of it as being positive productivity, something like that. Yeah, I think that's a, a, a great way to go about that. And that, you know, pushing yourself a little bit through that is good. While also, I think for myself, I try to maintain like a, uh, I'll call it a MVP, like minimum viable product. But for myself, it's the product is like my daily routine. And you mentioned going to the gym. So maybe it's just getting some form of exercise. Like maybe one day you're just like, I cannot do it. I cannot lift a weight, but like, I'm going to go outside and go for a walk and just doing that and keeping that momentum going. Is that something you make use of? Yeah, absolutely. Also, I like how you said MVP. I even thought kind of like minimal viable productivity sounds like a, a way to oh, go about go. that. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it's, I know I was talking to my brother about this. So we work on Memento together. He's also a software engineer. And there's certain, it's actually a like very odd paradox. The more you do, the more you seem to have time versus you'd expect that the more you do, the less time you have. But I've never found that to be true. I've always found the more responsibility you take on, the more things you add to your day, the more efficient you become. And it's the weirdest thing how, you know, going to the gym, which sounds like taking an hour away from your day, somehow adds like three extra hours to your day. It's, I've, maybe, you, maybe you've, you've experienced this, maybe you can, under, you can explain it better, but just the act of doing things, doing more things and structuring your time better seems to expand the amount of time you have and the amount of productivity you get out of each task. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And I was thinking about that in a different angle. I forget exactly what I was thinking about, but it was yesterday I was on a walk. I believe I was thinking about uh, with me and my wife, we've been discussing different exercise routines, things we want to do. Um, we're both big runners, but we're like, okay, we need to add some other things in. And I, for whatever reason in my mind, I was thinking about the, like, what's the, uh, as kind of a mental exercise, like the cost effectiveness of this and like how much money would I spend to get X result? And just thinking like, what is it worth if you're out of shape and you can be in better shape because the mental productivity gains are so massive that it's actually worth a lot more. It's not just your physical health, which is hugely important, but you're like you said, you know, going to the gym for an hour may result in three more hours of productivity, whether that's just increased productivity or actual time that you feel like you can work. Uh, and so that idea, uh, yeah, is just phenomenal where one of these high leverage activities can result in huge productivity gains. Mm -hmm. And you know, as you said that, I thought of something where I find that when I feel stuck or I feel overwhelmed with a lot of tasks, uh, I'm a big, you know, to-do list kind of person or just writing out things and planning them. Mm -hmm. I'll try to step back and spend just 10 minutes doing quote unquote nothing. You know, I'm not actually getting any of the 10 things I wanted to get done, done, mm -hmm. but just sitting down and writing it and choosing what I want to start on. Sometimes that's my way of um, getting myself unblocked from tackling a lot of, a lot of things. Uh, yeah, big one. I, I think for myself recently, um, I, yeah, I've had the same thing where I started to feel stressed or uh, overloaded a little bit, but I can't pin it down. And usually that's resolved by doing just that. Just sit down and, hey, do a brain dump. What is it that I need to get done? And how maybe should I go about that? And 
magically, you know, that the problems start to go away once you kind of just let it get out of your brain. So absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Well, then let's talk about this. Uh, I always like talking about this. I noticed uh, you mentioned the rocket book, which is a um, pretty cool tool. I haven't used one myself. Um, but what kind of physical tools are you a notebook, pen and paper type of guy? Obviously use the rocket book. How do you do this type of stuff? Yeah, um, definitely. I, I use a lot of different things. Uh, I'll use pen and paper. So I use a rocket book just because it's like unlimited paper. You just erase these kind of whiteboardish papers. This is not a sponsored ad for rocket book, but I do really enjoy yeah. using it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Save space, save paper is pretty great. Uh, I also am able to like uh, take pictures of the rocket book and it saves them into my OneNote. And that way I can refer to them later if I need to. So OneNote's another thing I've been using for a while. Uh, lets me take notes about things, organize things that you know, can take pictures, very flexible note-taking tool. I, I really enjoyed it. Uh, I also can make little to-do lists in OneNote. Sometimes I'll use that. And then I'll use Asana to uh, manage both Memento and Katina. So it's a great task management tool. We uh, were able to like assign tasks, track them, discuss them. We actually have all like our app feedback hooked into Asana so we can discuss different uh, features or bugs based as, as they come into our Asana form. So also not a paid advertisement for Asana, but another tool I really enjoy. So, you know, OneNote and Asana have been great for organizing th things for me. Writing down things on pen and paper, I think it's been super great. Um, there's something powerful about that. And other than that, I think those are the primary things. Oh, one thing that I've been doing recently that has been really helpful is I use an, I use an Android and I got like a little sticky note uh, widget on my home screen. Whenever I think of something that I need to remember or something that I need to do, I'll just tap the sticky note and write it down. So I have a very messy sticky note where I just try and write down things. I think that helps me just get things out of my head, stored somewhere. So I don't worry about things I'm going to miss or things that I need to do. Definitely. Yeah. That sounds like, you know, kind of getting things done type of thing, right? Just get it out of your head and at least it's somewhere where you can refer back to it. So, um, okay, cool. So, um, how about managing your time? Is there anything that you use? Um, you know, do you use time trackers? Do you use a Pomodoro timer anything like that? No, I don't use any time tracking tools. I'd say the one thing that comes to mind when it comes to managing time and being more effective is I try to do anything that would take me less than a minute right away. So if it's an email, a message, um, if I can get it done in less than a minute or less than a few minutes, I'll try and do it right away. It might, there's another perspective where you want to focus on the big rocks and not, not worry about too many small rocks. So I think that um, that approach has its limits, but I'll generally try and get rid of a lot of small things. So I'm not burdened by them and then carve out time for the big thing. So, you know, tomorrow evening, memento, this weekend, work on Katina, try to carve that time out and then getting rid of the, getting rid of the small tasks over time just helps me focus when I get to those big rocks. Definitely. And I, I agree with that. And what David's referring to for anyone who's not familiar is take the idea of like a glass jar or whatever, a cup. And if you wanted to fill it up and you had a pile of sand, a pile of small rocks and a pile of big rocks, if you put the sand in first, then the small rocks, well, then you would be out of room and you wouldn't be able to fit the big rocks. But if you put the big rocks in, you mix in the small rocks and then you pour the sand over it, everything will fit in. So kind of using that idea of it. I also agree for myself. I find that the momentum built by just getting some of that stuff off is combined and made more powerful with the mental kind of ejection of like, cool, I don't have those five tasks to worry about later today. Um, I really like that, but I agree. You gotta, it's a kind of a careful balance, right? So you don't want to get bogged down and end up doing a bunch of medium tasks, but you also don't want to maybe tackle the big stuff and forget about the little details. Absolutely. 
Cool. Um, so I'm curious about this. So how do you set goals for your side projects or maybe for software in general? So this is something I'm not familiar with. I'm not a developer. I have uh, learned enough to probably do something mildly dangerous with Python in my life, but like, that's it. So to me, this is kind of a black box. Is, it, is this something really different from what the rest of the world does with goal setting or, or how does this work for you? That's a great question. Um, let me see how I can tackle this. I think there's, there's, there's like engineering prioritization. There's also I think product prioritization and they differ a little bit, but they're definitely very highly connected. Hmm. I think it depends, a big factor in how we prioritize work for any product comes down to the, the, the part of the life cycle of the product's at. So a very mature product probably has different prioritization than a startup than a versus a product that literally is going from zero to one, you know? The first few months we started working Memento, our prioritization was all centered around making a podcast app that worked. How do we build something that people can open, play a podcast, and you know have as many of the uh, competitive features as possible? Mm -hmm. A year later, now we're looking at things that take, make Memento one more competitive, so that it's compelling to want to use Memento to take advantage of the note taking part, the audio highlighting of Memento. We still need to be competitive with other apps. But now we're also thinking of ways to grow and spread the word. You know, one of the things is you can have the greatest product in the world, but people don't know about it. They just never even get the chance to decide if they like it or don't like it. Yes. So now, now that we're a year in, our prioritization is now centered around growth and, and traffic to, to the app. And that actually ends up informing us on what we need to do next because people always have ideas and feedback. Uh, you've been great, actually. I know when you discovered Mento, we got a lot of great feedback from you. So I guess this could even be blown up to a more meta scale where I think mm -hmm. depending, knowing and depending on the goal that is being pursued, prioritization almost falls naturally after that. And maybe one of the things that's a challenge is when the goal isn't clear or when there's not a clear goal in mind, it becomes harder to make the right trade-off. And I think when it comes to product management or just building a, an app in general, once the goal is clear, it becomes so clear what we need to build next. And it's just as a there's times where the goal gets a bit blurry and that's when it becomes much more difficult to determine what we need to build. Definitely. Okay. Well, that makes sense. And I like it. I like the, uh, I think an, an analogy to people that I like, I hadn't really thought of this before was a lot of times, yeah, don't worry so much, but get going, set goals, and then use that feedback from the momentum to readjust your goals. Don't worry about setting the perfect goals because that's never going to happen. So cool. Absolutely. Okay, that's really interesting. It's fun for me literally just to ask you that. And I'm sure there's other people in the audience uh, listening who, who can identify, but I have absolutely no experience on the software side. So kind of fun to hear about that. Uh, so how about uh, getting help? I wrote myself a note here. I wanted to talk to you about this. So it sounds like you work or do some of this with your brother. Um, and so since this is a side project, have you brought anyone on? Are you working with anyone or is it just the two of you doing this? Yeah. For Memento, it's just Daniel and I, um, you know, we, I have a background in engineering and also I love doing design, UX, that kind of stuff's really interesting to me. So we're working on Overdrive to make this happen with a small team. I think it's super lean. It's been super fun. Uh, I think adding more people to the team is a challenge in itself. And we're just not ready for that at the moment. But as a contrast with Katina, uh, we work on Katina as just two or three people for the first three years. And then over the last two years, we've had maybe 10 people join the team. Oh, wow. And interestingly, when you add more people, it's, it's not a, there's, there's a cost associated with that. And we've gone through that for sure. And 
we have to scale how we communicate, how we prioritize, how we work together. That's kind of the cost of adding more people. But then you get a really great efficiency where you, you can have so many parallel work streams getting things done. So I think knowing when to scale and when to add more people is super important. And I think for Katina, it happened at the right time. And the memento is going to come to the point where we have more work than we can handle. And we also have the ROI necessary to, uh, to invest in more people and make, make that investment. Yeah, that's interesting. I think that that's a superpower that probably comes from experience, right? Knowing when and how to grow um, is definitely something that people who know that do very well. But you, you said something specific that I'd love to touch on. I think scaling communication, that, that's really interesting, of interest to me, having uh, grown a few businesses and nothing super large, but when you go from two or three to 10, 15, like that really changes things. So I'm, I'm curious for you, what did that look like when you, um, you know, is it just making sure you include people, being more transparent? What kind of stuff did you guys have to do? Yeah, this is a challenge I think all teams uh, face. Um, when we started with Katina, our, all our communication was a Facebook Messenger chat, and that was fine because there's only two or three people. As we scaled, we started using Slack, we started using Asana, and I think there's no tool is going to actually solve any communication problem because communication is one of those things that is, is to a great degree an art, and some tools can help facilitate that to optimize. But as we started using um, like Slack for, for group chats and personal chats and Asana for task management, We've just been figuring out different ways to engage people, um, keep people in the loop. Sometimes we'll share big updates. Sometimes we'll communicate people directly. Sometimes we'll have a meeting every few months, just like everyone in the same video call. So I think the maybe the, the, the point I'm making here is there's definitely a few good tools to communicate with people. But I think even more importantly is the approach to communication. And whether it's making sure people are included, making sure that you're communicating the most important things, Sometimes over-communicating is effective. Sometimes being a bit light in communication is more effective because you can really saturate, um, you can really saturate or, uh, sorry, I guess you can, really, you can really dilute the impact of your communication if you over-communicate too much. So no straight answer there, but I think just being really responsive to the team, trying to figure out, again, what's the goal? Do we need a lot of, do we need a lot of productivity right now? Do we need a lot of um, just like good team dynamics? And then that kind of influences how we communicate and reach out to people. Definitely. No, that makes sense. I think that's a good one too. It's not just more is better type of a situation. I think that's good, but also just being quiet doesn't always uh, solve the problem. So cool. Well, we got uh, time here for a couple more questions. So uh, one, I'd like to know for you, what if you could go back five years ago, which is, I'm not sure, but it sounds like roughly before really kicking off, you know, these apps, what would you tell yourself in terms of could be anything, but maybe around building a team or productivity, time management? Hmm. That's a great question. I think around productivity and time management, you know, I think the approach that I've taken for, the, for both apps is put as much time as I possibly have without burning out. Hmm. I think that worked really well when I was younger, and I think now it's become more of a challenge. So I think if I go back to just one year or two years, I'd say plan out more time to just uh, recover from from like long stints of work because what I found uh, there's definitely a month or two during COVID where I just couldn't work I, I could not not just no energy like mentally could not think about um, like Memento or Katina yeah. and that was just very very difficult so knowing like setting up recovery time I think was super important and and realizing that there's going to be times where things are a bit slower and being comfortable with that 
I think that was it can be very demotivating if if that if I ha if I didn't have that perspective, um, it can be very demotivating when you hit those kind of patches. Uh, going back a lot earlier, like I say, those five years, not related mm -hmm. to productivity, but more just building a product. Um, I would just tell myself to read more. I think there's so much out there to learn from, and reading so powerful. You get this compounded knowledge from other people, and uh, I, I think there's I think we did a good job over the last five years with both Katina Momento, and I'm happy with the success. Uh, but I definitely think there's a lot more that can be learned and accomplished if, if maybe I was more invested in some books. Great, great answer. Um, so I've got to ask you one more uh, tool question. So if you do a lot of reading, you do obviously have a lot of uh, digital notes going on. What's your what's your go-to place to put all that stuff? Yeah, and I'm pretty simple. I'm a huge Kindle fan, and I'll use one note whenever I want to take a few extra notes, but Kindle's my go-to. Gotcha, cool. All right. Well, then speaking of books, last question for you here today. What uh, book or yeah, it could be any piece of media do you find yourself recommending the most to people right now? Oh, that's a great one. Um, I'll, I'll go to podcasts. Okay. That's something that I consume a lot of. Um, I think two podcasts that I find really interesting. The first podcast I ever listened to actually is called Philosophize This. A really interesting podcast summarizes a lot of different uh, philosophers or angles on philosophy. Pretty quick. Um, Nice breath, reasonably objective. So I think that's a really interesting one. Really digs into the why behind why we behind why we do things. And um, you know, there's one talking about like media and the effects of media and freedom. A lot of interesting questions and philosophizes. And then the other one that I've been really enjoying recently is uh, Business Wars by Wondery. Business Wars is a super interesting podcast. They look at the competition between different uh, businesses that are closely related, like Domino's versus Pizza Hut or uh, let's see, um, even Lyft versus Uber, best series in all of these. Mm. And they do a really good job. They kind of combine entrepreneurship and business strategy together to give you an insight on how these businesses grew, how they competed, what they did well, what they did poorly. And I feel like you get, you know, business is competition. You can even look at sports as another version of competition. And there's a lot of competition in the world. And what I like about business wars is it gives you a, a very detailed or a reasonably detailed view of that competition. And gives you an inside look on companies that look very successful today, but shows you how they failed over time. Interesting. Okay, cool. Well, those are great. Uh, I will definitely include those and I'm going to check both of those out. They sound super interesting. So Amazing. awesome. David, thank you so much for uh, sharing so much. It's been a really interesting look into kind of how you operate at a high level and what you've got going on there. So, you know, if people are interested in finding out more about you, about your apps, where, where should they go? For sure. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure. Uh, for Momento, you can go to momento.fm. That's M-O-M-E-N-T-O.fm. There's a download link for the app there. And if anyone has any feedback, we'd love to hear that. And then for Katina, it's get.katinabible.com. Also download links there and we'd love to hear your feedback. Awesome. We will include that in the show notes. So thank you again so much. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Real World Productivity Podcast. If you know someone that would enjoy this episode, please grab the link and send it via email, message, or whatever means works best. Now, if you're looking for more ways to increase your productivity, time management, and team building skills, be sure to go to productivity.academy resources to find out what tools, cheat sheets, and services can get you started and make the most impact right now. For those who want to make fast changes and want to save dozens of hours, I highly recommend joining the 14-Day Productivity Foundation Challenge at productivity.academy slash foundation challenge. This 14-day challenge takes minutes per day, but will help you develop or improve your daily review to get more done with less distractions and loss of focus. 
You'll also get over-the-shoulder directions for setting up an automation to save dozens of hours and the process for deciding what else you should automate and how to do it. And if you're serious about continuous improvement and you know that productivity, time management, and team building will impact every area of your personal and professional life, join us in the Growth Automation Membership. Find out more at productivity.academy/join.